Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. All right, good morning. Um, Like Deacon said, my name is Heath, lead pastor here at Reach. Thanks for being here. Um, I don't know why every morning we were over 10 years old, and every morning I think no one's coming. I don't know why. Uh, But I'm glad that you're here. It's going to be a good day. Um, So this morning, any um, Beatles fans? Okay, you can raise your hand on that. I I know that, like, sometimes I'm like, everybody's like, we don't know what to do, because he always says, don't interact, because, you know, you don't want to get in trouble. Uh, Well, I just want to say that the Beatles had one thing right. All you need is love. The right kind of love changes everything. And knowing that you are loved helps improve your life. Think about that for a minute. Husbands, wives, children, friends. Knowing that you have people that love you. Like really love you. Not love you for the things that you give them or the things that you do for them, but they love you just because of you. It changes everything. When we have someone that's in our corner that loves us, we have power to motivate ourselves past what we have internally. Uh, I, I told my wife is Jody. Um, she is not in the room, so I get to talk about her a little bit. She's out. So if you checked in your kid, you said hey to my wife and didn't even know it. Uh, but Jody is that for me. I wouldn't be in this room doing what I'm doing right now without her love and support. And that's 100%. That's, she's not even in here. I'm not even getting the benefit of her love. <laughs> and hear this, hear this. She may not always be happy with me, but I have never doubted that she loves me. She is incredible and truly the best part of my life. Um, I don't say it enough, and for the husbands in the room, um, you should probably communicate more the reality of that truth, um, because it's there, however little it may be, but communicate that to them. Our love for each other is limited because of our humanity. So this love that we have for each other is flawed, and if you've been married for any more than a day, more than 24 hours, you are... 100% that our love is limited because of us. We all desire to have this love that is like what you see sometimes in the movies, which is not the reality. We want this love, and we want to give this love, but the reality is, is a lot of times it's just hard because we're fighting against us. We have a selfish nature that's been developing in us since the moment we popped out of the womb. Since the moment air hit our lungs, we have been screaming for what we want. Literally. And most of us ruin our relationships that we're in because we're screaming louder than they are for what we want instead of deciding that we're going to love People. And, and, and next week, so this week I'm going to talk about the reality of what it means for us to be loved. Next week I'm going to, I'm going to jump off of that reality and, and talk about what it means for us to love other people. So that's not even this week. Side note. Uh, 1 John 4 next week. 
So my one thing that I want you to hear today is that God loves his children. And I, I wrote it like that for a very specific reason. He loves his children, and, and it's our job, well, really his job, we participate in it, of inviting new people into his family over and over again. This is why we're here. We're not here to just uh, gather around the people that say that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. We're here to call other people into the family. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, our hearts don't have the capacity to understand you fully or understand your love fully. Today's prayer that Paul prayed is what we want for us, that we would have the capacity to understand the height and the depth of your love for us. So, Lord, as we get into your word, as we look at the reality of what that love means to us, Lord, I pray that we would be stirred. Lord, the heartbreak and the pain that is causing us at times to doubt your love for us. Lord, today I pray that you would clarify that for us. In Jesus' name, amen. God has written uh, the book on love. It's what the Bible is from beginning to end. Uh, Lots of people claim it's something else, but really it is a story of his love for us. It's really a story about him, but we get put in there from the beginning, from Genesis 1 uh, or Genesis 2, when we're created, he creates us. And since then, he has been trying to pursue us from the beginning, from the moment that we disobeyed his rule, he's been after us. And not in a bad way, not like when you're a child and you're in trouble and you know that you just did something bad and mom opens the door and you're like, oh my God. But he he pursued. Since the moment they ate that apple and hid from God, God has been coming after them. And the whole entirety of the Bible from beginning to end is that story of his, his pursuit of us and his love, patience, and affection for us to understand who He is so that we could understand who we are, so that we could live in a way that honors Him and shows that love. 1 John 4, which we're going to be in next week, verse 8, actually says that God is love. God's love for His children can be seen in the most popular used wedding verse. And we sing this about what love that we have for each other. I'm doing a wedding in two weeks and... Um, I don't know if this is going to be in there, but almost every wedding you get 1 Corinthians 13. But look at it through a new lens, not as what's expected from your spouse to you or vice versa. But if he's defining what love is, he's defining what love looks like from his perspective. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And at the end of that, it says, and the greatest of these is love. Today, we look at the most powerful, uh, in my opinion, prayer in the Bible. Uh, It is written uh, in a letter to the church in Ephesus. Let me give you a little background of the the 
book of Ephesians. Um, so uh, the Ephesians was started by Paul uh, and loved this group of people. He wrote this letter to them while he is in prison. And Ephesus is one is a large city, and it's kind of the epicenter for worship for the Greek and Roman gods. I mean, so it's, um, you know, Christianity is not king there. Uh, Christianity is this fledgling, fledgling little um, piece of people worshiping the r- real and true God. Uh, the book of Ephesians is broken into two sections, verses one, or chapters 1 through 3 and then chapters 4 through 6. Uh, one through three is he's explaining the gospel. He's explaining who the gospel is for. And, and really he's opening up because this is the churches filled with Gentiles and Jews. He's making it plain that God's love is not for just one people. It's for all those that would call on his name. And he ends this section, uh, uh, chapter three, with what we're going to get into today. But um, I, I like these pivotal points because really the prayer is what sets you up for chapters 4 through 6, which 4 through 6 is or should be our response to the gospel. And we talked about marriage and how we should do all these different relationships and how we should do life and what we should do. And, and really, sometimes I think we put on people these things, these expectations. You should do these things. And we forget the gospel. And we forget that it all hinges on his love for us. In us understanding that, in us understanding how he loves us, we can do the things that he's called us to do. So that's how we live and walk out the gospel, by fully understanding God's love for us. Ephesians um, chapter 2, verses 4-7, through seven, listen to this. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we're made alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. His great love for us. When Jesus went to the cross, it wasn't just to remedy our sin issue. It was for him. It was a declaration of how much I love you. Now, Here's the prayer. Um, this is what we're going to be in for the rest of the time. Um, chapter 3 of Ephesians, and we're going to be in 14 through 21. So he's just finished explaining the gospel over the um, three chapters previous to this, and then he prays for them after this point. And this is his prayer. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That family now includes Gentiles. For those in here that aren't of a Jewish lineage, praise the Lord. Verse 16 says that in cor- that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Amen. I wrote in here who wants that? Every one of our issues and we've talked about a lot this year about 
you know, living out the gospel, living out this reality that Jesus is greater and actually having a life that reflects that. And, and it all circles around this verse. Is that he would grant us to be strengthened with the power through his spirit. Our capacity to change isn't in your ability for self-control. Isn't in your ability for action. Your power for change is in your ability to have the Holy Spirit work in and through you. And you surrendering to that work. Verse 17. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, which is the key here, which we're going to talk about in just a second, this rooted and grounded. I think the majority of our issues with the church, and we're in the South, and we have lots of issues with the church um, in the South. Most of our issues, I believe, is that we're not rooted and grounded in anything but ideals that we're not even sure where they come from. We're rooted and grounded, not necessarily in what the Word says, but in what we've heard or what we think. And the reality is, is a lot of us have grown up in places that we've heard things that may or may not be true. And this is why we've talked about all year, you you need to be in the Word, because if you're on social media, people are challenging your view of Scripture all the time. Just in what they're saying and what's going on. I mean, I, I have limited my access to social media. And you still see it. It's still there. The argument's still there. And it's not going to get any better. We need to understand what we believe. And we have to be rooted and grounded in his love. I think sometimes we're so angry. Because we believe that we need to be the ones that make everything right in this world. You are not the Holy Spirit. Amen. You do have the capacity to help and lead and guide other people, but it will always be the work of the one that has power, not you. Verse 18. May, let me me read 17 and 18 because they kind of go together. Um, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, what do do roots do? I'm not an arborist. I... I mean, if you've seen our garden, which deers like more than anything else, they just eat it. Um, but what a root, every tree that's outside has roots that are underneath it. What do roots do? Roots grow down so they can get nutrients so that the tree can do what? That it can grow up. So that we can understand the height and depth. I don't think we can understand the height of what God has called us to without understanding the depth of which God has planted us into. What do foundations do? Because he used these breadth and length. This building right here is is on a foundation, on a slab. And the reason why it's not leaning one direction or the other is because it's been built correctly on a foundation. 
And, and we are the same way. We have to be built on the right foundation. One of the things I remember when we were planning to plant here and I was praying about, like, what, do, what is the church going to look like? And I remember God giving me this kind of idea or this vision. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, build on the foundation that I've planted you on and build nothing else. And I had this picture of this building and that's, you know, built on the foundations correctly. But we, we like to add things have a little lean-to, and, and we can um, add things to the building without putting a foundation on the addition, right? We can do that. Like, we'll just add things. We're like, oh, I need this, I want this, and we tie it in to the thing that's firmly found on the foundation. But the problem with that is that sooner or later, those other things will eventually pull the house down. And that's one of the things that we have to be rooted and grounded in is we have to build on what God says and not what we think he says. We have to be rooted and grounded. I I think most of our emotional issues are areas that we've either not firmed up on. You know, the the Bible says that we need to plant, we need to put our foundation on the rock and not on sand. And we we live on the coast and, you know, you've been to the beach uh, or... I hope you've been to the beach. We're close enough to it. Uh, and maybe you've been. Uh, I know um, on the end of Ocean Isle, there's houses that are just dangling. Because the, the water has came in, and they're just like, they have these huge bags of sand that are trying to preserve their house. But, like, the sand is just going away because it's a, it's a beach. We've got to make sure that we're rooted and founded on the right thing. And that rooted and founded has to be and is central to his love for you. That, that's our issue. That's my issue. When I, I get overwhelmed, when I, things happen, and I, you know, like if you have children or are married, there's always going to be things that are out of your control. There's my son over there. Good boy. Um, but there's things that are out of our control that we're constantly trying to fix and, and make right and, and, and get right. And, and we get overwhelmed. And a lot of times we don't put ourselves in a position that we can lead from the right place because we're not anchored in his love for us. Sadly, I, I spent a fair amount of my life in Jesus being afraid of God. And I don't mean the fear that he asked us. I mean afraid. Afraid that, oh, I stepped out of line or I did something, said something that I shouldn't have and God's just waiting around the corner ready to just wear me out. Some of us have that same view of God sitting in this room. Everything He's doing for us, He's doing it for love. Even in the discipline that He gives us. And not to get on, you know, discipline with children, because that's a touchy subject. But we imperfectly try to discipline our children, to teach them the lessons that they need. Every lesson that God is trying to bring you through is always rooted and grounded in a stable, secure love. Everything is trying to bring you into a place that you understand who He is. Listen to this in Job. Job, um, for those that have read Job, um, 
pretty depressing. You know, man doing good, right things, uh, loses everything. Um, all of his friends come against him. His wife tells him that he just should curse God and die, um, which, you know, hopefully we're not in that place here with your spouse. Just let it go. Say goodbye. And he has all these friends lecturing him about how he sinfully is and all these things. And, and Job maintains pretty good throughout. And then he gets a little testy with God. A little bit. I mean, for the most part, he didn't curse God. He just kind of questions God. And God goes through this, like, he lectures him, buddy. He was like, where were you? Where, where were you when I built this? Like, were you holding the other end of the line when we snapped? This is where this is going to be. Were you there when I, when I plotted the ground and how far the water was going to go and how far the land was going to go? Were you there during any of it? Which he wasn't. But here in uh, Job 11, verse 7 through uh, 9, it says, Can you find out? The deep things of God. Can you find out the limit to the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you do? Its measures is longer than the earth and the border than the sea. And he's like, look, you have no idea. And what Paul's saying here is that God would grant us the understanding to understand the depth and height and width and length of the love that God has for us. I believe it would radically change the way we interact with people. It would radically change the way we interact or even deal with our own self if we knew how much God loved us. And I I just want to say, because I think sometimes when we talk about the love of God, we think that God's permissive in a sense, that He'll just His love for you is so great that He'll let you do whatever. And that's not true. God's love for you is so great that he says, here are the things that you need to watch out. Here are the things that you shouldn't do. And if you, if you don't do those things, hey, you're going to be better. God's love for us is so much so that he will call us to a place of going, that's not okay. So where are you limiting God's capacity to love you? Like, where are you just like, well, I don't think God would really like me here. I don't think God loves me because of this. And, and we can do this all day long. We can go through scenarios of losses and things that have happened to you, and you can go, if God loved me, then. Anybody made those statements? If God loved me, then this wouldn't have happened. If God loved me, then this wouldn't happen. And the reality is, is that God can love us, and these things still happen. that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge and that would we be filled with the fullness of God. I don't think we can be filled with the fullness of God unless we understand His love for us. Verse 20. It says, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. God. Who can do more than we ask or think according to the power at work within us To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Who is able to do more? If you want more, you just have to ask and be willing to receive it. 
If you want to experience God's love for you, you have to be willing to surrender to his sovereignty of how he's going to love you. We don't get to choose how God loves us. Because in our very limited understanding, we have a, th- a way that we think, God, if you're a good God, you would do these things because we, we would do those things. And let me just say, a planet run by any of us in here would be a mess. You don't want to be on my planet that I rule. And I'm pretty sure if you're going to be honest with yourself, you don't even want to be on the planet that you rule. But God in his wisdom is showing himself to us all the time. God in his wisdom right now in your situation is saying, I love you. And all he's asking is that you would humbly be, be willing to say, God, show me. I love this. Paul could have done anything in this letter. And in the middle of the letter, he stops and prays. He prays at the beginning, too. I love how in most of the epistles written to churches, there's usually prayers in there because they understand that it's not just the understanding of a truth that will help you. It's by the power of the living God in us. So here's my question for you. Do you know the love of God? Like, really? Not just like, yeah, I know God is love, but do, do you? And I don't mean as a concept. I don't mean as an idea, and I don't mean as, you know, verses that you memorize saying that God is love, but do you know that God loves you? In spite of you. And this is why I said my, my, my statement, my one thing that I want you to hear is that God loves his children. If you're his child, he loves you. And if you're, if you're his child, he's going to do everything in his power to shape and mold you into his character. Let me just tell you, shaping and molding is painful. You want to shape and mold your body, then you've got to do painful things. Like, no one likes burpees. No one. We're getting ready to have a week of burpees um, in F3 this week. And no one likes them. But if you want to do something to shape you, there's nothing. If you want to learn something, if you want to, like, okay, okay, um, for, for Megan, for those that play guitars, guitars, it sounded really weird, it sounded really professional. For those that play instruments that have strings, what price do you pay? Right? There is nothing that you do that you're going to be good at that you're not going to have to put time, effort, and energy. And we, we constantly don't want to put the effort in for what God wants to do for us. There is not going to be an easy way to shape and mold the character of God in you. There isn't. If there was, in 2,000 years, we would have figured it out. And really, I think... The way we've messed it up is we've tried to make it easy. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow and hard is the way that leads to life. But you aren't capable to walk that road without understanding his love for you. 
So I ask the question again, do you know that God loves you? If you've said yes to Jesus, you've understood the gospel, which, let me, this is the simplest version of the gospel that I can give you. Every one of us are flawed, flawed past our capacity to right that flaw. We're all sinful, every one of us. There's no one that doesn't um, pass the, the line of I'm in and I'm out. We've all crossed that line. And there's no way for us to get back to where we came from because we can't undo all the things that we've done. We cannot pay the penalty for our sin. And God knew that from the beginning. From the moment they took a bite out of the apple, he's been setting a plan in motion. And he sent his son because there was no other person. There was no other good person that would enter into our world and that could his death would pay the penalty for our sin. But God, putting on flesh, came down here and lived the life that we were unable to live, couldn't live perfectly, not sinning at all. And then he willingly went to the cross. I need you to hear this. He could have got out of it anytime he wanted. When he was sweating blood in the garden, when he was praying and his disciples were falling asleep, when Pilate was telling him, come on, just give me a reason so I can let you go. Jesus said, you have no power other than what my father gives you. Could you imagine speaking to the one who has the power to let you go? They think they have the power. And he's like, it's an illusion. You don't have the power. And there was nothing that was going to stop Jesus from going to the cross because there was no other way for us to have an opportunity to experience his love. Your behavior is never going to fix what's gone wrong in your heart. You needed something greater than that. And Jesus was that greater thing. His death, his life, death, and resurrection was that. And as we go into this holiday season that I think has been hijacked by some rant, plump man in a white beard and a red jacket, we celebrate the birth, the coming of our Lord Jesus. Because if there's going to be a crucifixion, there has to be a birth, there has to be a beginning. And he came and entered this world for us. I love when he's on the cross suffering. Could you imagine? I think when we suffer, we always think it's not our fault. It usually is. Partially. Jesus was on the cross and he was saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. It wasn't his fault. Enough. Nothing led him there. Other than his willingness to communicate to you that he loves you. And the gospel is really this. You couldn't fix you. Jesus presented a way and an opportunity through his death and resurrection for you to have life. And the way that we have access to that life is surrendering to his finished, completed work on the cross. And then from that moment on, once we're justified by his grace through believing in his sacrifice, we get the luxury, the joy, the privilege of becoming like him, which is this more difficult part. 
the entry in, the, the yes is the easiest thing that you will do in your believing life. The rest is work. Listen to this in John 3.16. Said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In 1 John 3, 1 through 3, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so you are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. His, understanding his love for us changes us, or it should. And this is why we have to, this is, this is actually a thing that we need to be reminded over and over again. Because the longer, let me, just, let me just let you in on this. The longer you get better and stop doing bad things, the more you think, I've done it. Look at me. And you look around people that are doing stupid things and you just go, if they could be more like me, this would be a better world. We do it. We don't say it. I mean, we might say it on Facebook. Or Twitter, or Instagram, some comment section. But we walk around going, man, if they were just more like me. The reality is that if anything has changed in you, it was not your work to begin with. And if it was your work, it's a dangerous piece of work in you because you'll begin to think less of Jesus and more of you and that always leads down a wrong path. So what can we do with this? Um, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. Um, we're going to sing a song, which um, I honestly don't know what the song is. but It doesn't matter. I, I will say this. Um, I, I do turn my notes in uh, on Friday, typically, working on Thursday. Alan, you keep me accountable for that. Appreciate that, buddy. <laughs> failed this week, but I'm on it. Um, but it is amazing to see what God does with our worship team as they pick songs um, that seem to tie right into what God's doing. And, and truthfully, it's more about God doing stuff than us planning. Because we could plan everything perfectly. And I don't, I'm not saying this because I want to give us license to be sloppy. Um, but we could plan out perfectly everything that happens here on Sunday morning and still miss it. And we could be a train wreck and God still move. So if you're a train wreck this morning, if there's things that are overwhelming you, I just need you to hear this. Is God did everything on the cross for you. Not for those other people, for you. And if you will understand and surrender to that love for you, and begin to understand the height and depth and breadth and width, that it'll change you. And out of that change, you will experience the fullness of God. Without understanding His love, we won't get to experience the fullness of God. And I just encourage you, as we worship, as we close, 
is to ask yourself why, if you're not feeling it, if you're like, I don't feel like he loves me, why, why do you feel that way? And, and let the Holy Spirit point out the lies. Because it's usually something tied to something you've done. And I'm like, you know, did Jesus not die for that also? Is there anything done by anyone in this room that separates you from the capacity of receiving from Jesus? And the answer is no. Which is hard. Because some of us know the wickedness that we have living inside of us. But God wants you to experience His love because... If we're going to move into next week where I'm going to compel you, and really it wasn't me, it was John. John says, how can you love a God that's not seen if you can't love people that are? If God is love and we experience it, the only natural thing for us to do after we have experienced it is love other people. Um. I write this on my paper every week, and I've failed to say it a couple times. Uh, There's a little banner in the back of our room that says prayer, and at the end of all of our services, we have people in the back that would love to pray for you. There's things going on. It doesn't have to be related to what I'm talking about today, but if there's things going on and you just you need to unburden yourself, you you don't even have to say what's going on. You can just say, I need prayer, and we would love to pray for you because there's power in prayer. God thought so much of it that he included all these prayers for us in these holy texts that we read out. Let's pray. Jesus, you're fully aware of the brokenness that lives inside of us. The places where we struggle to experience your love for us. Struggle with the reality that you would go to the cross for me. And Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help our hearts comprehend how deep and wide your love for us is. And so that that may mean this morning that someone in this room that wouldn't consider himself a child of God wants to make that transition from being an independent person to a person that's dependent on you. Lord, transformation comes from you and you alone. If our life is a wreck, we need you to help fix it. And so, Lord, I pray that whether it's someone wanting to enter into your family or one that has been in your family for so long that sometimes they've forgotten how great your love is, I pray that this morning that we would be fully aware, as we can be in this moment, how much you love us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience and loving mercy for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.